My country is younger than my dad. <laughs> Welcome to the Boundless Book Club from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Today you are here with me, Annabelle. Me, Andrea. And me, Ahlam. We all work together at the Emirates Literature Foundation, and today we have invited our lovely colleague and author, Iman Al-Yusuf. And in just a short while, we'll be joined by His Excellency Omar Bash, author of Letters to a Young Muslim, and he has now a new work of fiction coming out in February. But first, we know many of our listeners would love to know more about literature from this part of the world. So in celebration of the UAE's 50th anniversary, we're taking a pit stop tour of Emirati Lit and the authors from here that you can read in English. I know that when I was in school, one of the big Emirati literary names that always came out in, in, our, in our books in school was Mana Saeed Al-Ateba, Dr. Mana Saeed Al-Ateba. Iman, wouldn't you agree? Totally, yes. It, it brings a lot of memories from the school days and discussions. A lot of his poetry and, and uh, work we discussed and we actually memorized them. So, yes. Definitely. Definitely. And he has more than 100 books published in Arabic, but his poetry is what I remember the most in school. And Iman, what would you say is the most important literary work from the UAE, in your personal opinion? Well, it's a difficult question. I was re reshelving and recategorizing my library uh, a month ago, and I discovered that, okay, let, let's put all the Emirati work that I have as books it, to one shelf. And for my astonishment, it became about four entire shelves. Now, there are a lot of literary work that I would recommend reading. The most, it would be Zaman Asidaf. It's a book by, uh, it's a fiction, a book by Widat Khalifa and Nabuda. And Zaman Sidaf is, it talks about the era that the, uh, because UAE, before the, the establishment of the country itself in 1971, about 30 years passed by that exact date, people would live on uh, diving for pearls. And then when this commercialized by the Japanese pearl, in a way or the other, people lost that status. And it hit the UAE back then commercially and economically and even socially. And the book describes and talks about that era. So I think it's one of the best books that you can start by building your relationships with the UAE, especially if you haven't read anything before that. Now, the big question is, is it available in English? I'm glad you asked this question. When I was looking for books and fiction, and even poetry, a lot of the amazing fiction works that I would recommend people would read and they would actually know the UAE through its own eyes and lens of authors and poets are not actually yet translated to English. And I guess this is a really great time to address this. I would love to have Zamanasidaf or many more books to come. Maybe we can discuss that too. Um, as well as Manasaid Lateba's poetry work into English. So if this is not available, is there something that is available in English that addresses the same era or gives you some of the same sense mm. of the, the country's origins that you mentioned? You know, we um, when we were discussing the genres yeah. where, which, um, which are popular in Emirati literature, 
we realize that because we're so young as a nation, that we are in the process right now of seriously documenting our history in, in whatever way we can, whether that's through fiction or poetry or nonfiction. And there's a lot of efforts right now in, in doing so. Because you know, storytelling has historically always been through oral tales in, in across the Arab world, but with the UAE as well, with us being a very young nation, and with most people, you know, pursuing education, you know, around the, around the 60s and the 70s. So it hasn't been a very long time since people started to pursue higher education in uh, Iraq and, and in Cairo. Uh, and that's the time when we started to see a rise of um, writers in the UAE. So there's a lot of history that's that would have been lost that hasn't been preserved yet. And that's why you will see that this is a very popular genre. Um, and there's there's some some really great names that are starting to get translated. I know Rimal Kamali um, is is a very important name in historical fiction in the UAE, and she has one book that has been translated into English. So the book of Rimal Kamali that is translated into English is The Statue of Delma, and we've just checked and it is available on Amazon. So that would be a really good place to start. Her writing is really beautiful and has been recognized by several literary awards uh, here in the region. So that would be a really good place to start. There's also, um, when I was looking through my library, um, and one of the writers that we think really has the potential, and I, and I think she may start, you know, be picked up for translation very soon as Salha Abed. And I just wanted to pick this up because it was a really nice comment at the back of her book. And I, I did my own translation of what that said, and I wanted to read that to you guys. So uh, this is a quote by uh, Zeki Sadir um, from um, the Arab London Journal. And he said, there's a new cultural generation in the UAE working on their literary projects quietly, borrowing from their own contemplations and readings and personal observations. Emirati writer Salha Abed is one of them, and she has her own special voice. And I think this is a really nice intro into what's happening now with the new generation. And Iman, I mean, you yourself are a perfect example of, of such writer. You know, we're so lucky to have you as a part, part of our team. And, and I know you, you're going to tell us a little bit about your own work very soon. But I think this is the reason, this is, this is why you're starting to see a lot of these schemes come up where we want to support, accelerate these voices coming out and getting published. You know, at the Literature Foundation, we've just started this writer fellowship. I know Abu Dhabi is starting a, um, a project where they will be publishing comic books by comic writers in the UAE. And, and that's what, you know, the, the youth are sort of channeling their, their voice through, through those means. And, and it's really optimistic to see where things are headed. And I'm excited to see the next 10 years of literature and what that brings. So I have a question. Earlier, we spoke about the most popular genres. And, yes. and you were very clear that history is the most, the strongest genre for Emirati writers. But in mm -hmm. 10 years time, where do you think it's going to go? I think I hope to see a lot more literary fiction. I hope to, and I know that's the Writers' Fellowship that we're starting is to encourage that movement. And that's where you really see 
the literary scene of any nation flourish, right? In in works of fiction, because the possibilities are endless. And 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 actually, there you know, there not all of uh, Emirati fiction is historical. Like when we spoke about Dr. Mana Saeed Al Ateba, who we've studied in school, uh, I'm really happy to see that actually he's got his first English book out this year. It was written in 1999 in Arabic, and it was also, it had a film adaptation, uh, but it's been translated finally in 2021 uh, at Abu Dhabi Book Fair. And uh, through the story, it's sort of a story of love and revenge and uh, about this main character, Karima, the book is called Karima, who is uh, going after revenge uh, of of these powerful men who have murdered her father and left um, her sister I believe crippled um, and uh, so she's she's going after revenge and and the setting is both between the UAE and Morocco and I really like that it's showing you know the, the dynamics and the relationships between the two countries as well so that's a really uh, you know great way for everyone to get to know Dr. Manese de la Teba's work. Um, Why is that not translated? <laughs> it is it's translated. Yes. That one is. It's- yeah, so this oh, is his yeah. first. This is his first work that's been translated to English uh-huh. this year. It's called Kerima, and um, so that's a good place to start. Like very specific genre fiction. Why do you think that on the flip side that mm-hmm. isn't necessarily as popular? And do you think that in ten years that's going to change as well, or is that something that is um, more a kind of? there's a more of a cultural reasoning behind why that isn't popular. I'd love to answer that. Now, to get back to your question also about the genres, we do have Emirati authors who write in comedy, for example, Khaled al-Jabri or Abdullah Shweikh, um, a lot even more. We have a lot of great poets. Amal Sahlawi is also on our list on the mm-hmm. lineup for the festival. Sheikh uh, al And But why? Getting back to the question, why do we have this focus on, on historical fiction? Many things. It's when you talk about a nation that has been, the Emirati nation lived in many different, let's say, time eras in such a short time. And when I was back in uh, Iowa, I'm the first Emirati to be chosen for the program of IW. In- International Writers Program at the University of Iowa in the US. And I got that creative fellowship, creative writing fellowship. And I used to tell to start every speech there and panel by saying my country is younger than my dad. So when we realize this aspect, we know that this is much needed. Now, poetry is very cherished in the entire Arab world, not only in the UAE. And Arabs would tell their identities, their stories, their problems, their issues. That part of our, as a humans, part of the reason that we write globally is that we want to be immortal. We don't want to die. And we want to leave something of our pieces of our stories and lives. And this is what we do in the Emirates when we write history. Now, to mention also, I just came up across my mind with the um, crime fiction and horror. We've got also a lot of great Emirati authors such as Ibrahim al-Marzouki, Ali Saif al-Mansouri, they also will be on our festival. And we see that there is a very nice line that goes hand in hand between fiction and then translating all of this work into also cinema. So there's a lot of uh, cinematic movies or drama on TV 
Emirati drama on TV that also has to do with uh, maybe more than historical, also maybe comedy or horror. It's really interesting, um, ladies, that when we read fiction, it's more of historical stories and books. Uh, but when you have an overview or a panoramic overview about what is there on the Emirati cinema or the Emirati TV, you would find that the focus on the opposite side is all about comedy or horror and crime. Mm -hmm. And this is a very interesting thing to pinpoint. Is that That's so yeah. interesting? Is that Ahlam because like it things that are written down, novels are seen as something that has to be a bit more elevated, maybe than yeah film where you can be playful definitely and I think um, you know for me when I look at comedy in Emirati culture I think of theater you know I, I don't really think about books I think that's how we've sort of compartmentalized it in our minds whereas writing is considered as this intellectual serious um, task in the same way that readers uh, maybe still you know reading for pleasure among amongst kids is something that we're working on um, encouraging because I think books very much related to academics to studying to learning to everything having uh, a moral of the story learning something valuable that you can learn you know rather than just having a little bit of fun and and I think you know this is something that is changing Definitely with all with the festival, with with all the book fairs and the talks and the authors that are always in our country now and the many, many conversations that people have access to. I think this is very quickly changing right now, as with all change in the UAE. But um, but but I think one area which is a little bit more playful is the poetry, you know, just us being based in the desert, you know, our setting, it just lends itself so well to poetry. You know, when I think about Emirati poetry, I just uh, I have this image of lots of poets describing a woman's black eyes to the night of the desert sky, for example, you know, and or comparing a woman's eyes to the eyes of a gazelle. I think these are like descriptions that you see come up a lot in Emirati poetry and also, you know, the conservative nature of our culture where you know, men and women don't really date in our culture and marriage is, is how you form unions between the men and the women. And that's how it's historically been. And oftentimes marriage has happened through just a glance, you know, uh, it's, it's arranged and then you get to look at your partner once. And, and in that moment, this electric moment, <laughs> make the decision that this person is your forever, you know, partner or not. And, and I think that comes across um, that longing, that internal experience of having just a little bit of access, you know, intensifies what's inside a lot more. Now, when it comes to translation of poetry, that's, that's one of the most difficult things. And when poetry is read out, maybe that can still be experienced like we do in the desert. For example, we have the Desert Stanzas event. It's a part of the Emirates Lit Fest every year. And we have poetry in every language. And when it's read out, you know, you can still feel it, even if you don't understand exactly what the poet is saying. But when it comes to reading, that's slightly more challenging. Um, and there's not a lot of really good English translations of Emirati poetry. You know, the, the one of the very few that I really like is Poems from the Desert by Sheikh Hamad bin Rashid al-Maktoum. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, in oral tales, how we see stories of sultans and kings and their very human experiences and, and weaknesses. And this is like a 
real life tale of that. Um, and, and I really like the foreword by Paolo Coelho in the beginning where he says, when I was reading these, the series of poem, poems, I was thinking about the conflict uh, between being a poet and being a ruler. And then I realized that there's no conflict there at all because if you have the heart of a poet, then you better understand what your people need. And it's a very brave act as a ruler to be completely vulnerable in this way and open up your heart and talk about love and heartbreak and pain and being a son to your mother and these very human experiences that we all live and feel. And, and that's what you'll find in this poetry series translated really, really well. Is that something that's difficult to find then? Is So if listeners want to read Emirati poetry in translation, that's something that they're going to have a hard time finding, like good quality? I think so. I think that's something that we still need to work on, translate a lot more in the quality that this book is done in, for example. Speaking of bravery, there was something mm -hmm. that you mentioned a while ago about, because we've talked about historical fiction being popular and we've talked about poetry being very popular. And are there some things that you can say in poetry can you be a, a, like a little bit more risque than you necessarily could be in prose? Oh, good question. I think so, definitely. You know, it's a lot easier to speak in symbols. It's a lot easier to play on words with the excuse of rhyming things, right? And, <laughs> and, and you know, with the excuse of scale and sentence structures. So I think that's probably the same in every language. Uh, but but yeah, I think so. I think you can definitely see a lot more of that in Marathi poetry as well. So one of the things that I also wanted to check in on was whether or not this tendency towards uh, writing about stuff that actually happened is because there's less room to be criticized if you're writing about stuff that already exists. Mm -hmm. And also if this focus on people who are maybe no longer around or what has gone before is also because is writing about kind of contemporary society and people actually living now, is that considered almost gossiping about your culture? I think so. I think the literature of every country is a reflection of its people and their culture. And I think in Emirati culture and Arab culture uh, as well, you know, questioning your elders, for example, is a no-no. You know, even if they're saying something that you completely don't agree with, you never say it. You um, have to respect their age. You have to respect, you know, their position in the family. And I think, you know, it goes back to our conversation about writing literature being this serious act. So to question a writer or to criticize their work to say that this writing is no good or mm. this or that, um, I think it's it's quite sensitive. I think it it, it is taken... It's not yet quite, you know, it's not yet as normal as it, it would be in more advanced literary um, markets. Uh, and I think this is something that we're working on. We have a lot of conversations at the festival always about literary criticism, that being necessary for our quality of literature to, to grow, for, for writers to become stronger, to compete on global platforms. Um, and... Um, and, you know, debate is something that, you know, we need to learn, not from a perspective of being confrontational, but just being able to argue both sides of something and being able to, to see different perspectives always and calmly and rationally debate something is a very, very important 
skill, which is not personal. Um, and I think this is something that we're learning uh, now. And, and I hope that we're going to start to see more and more of so that we can actually identify the really, really strong works of literature um, versus um, the ones that are not there yet. Can we have like mm -hmm. some really quick fire recommendations mm -hmm. for books available in English? Yeah. Just like book title, author, and one line. So I want to quickly just tell you about three books that are available in English and have been hugely popular internationally, not just in the UAE. So we have uh, Maha Gargash, who wrote The Sandfish, uh, and it's, um, it's really popular. The story of a woman born in the 50s whose mother has passed away, at, as with all great fiction novels who's, who's, <laughs> which start with a mother passing away and that changing a person's life um, and then going through struggles of her father forcing her into an arranged marriage her trying to escape it and then the struggle of her life after that um, I think it's a it's a work of fiction obviously uh, but it's it's a nice um, you know Dubai experience uh, if you will of, of the time in which the setting is the other one, obviously, is by our guest for today's episode, Omar Seferbash, Letters to a Young Muslim. And this one is not specifically an Emirati experience. It's the experience of any young Muslim in the world who struggles and, um, you know, it helps better understand what's happening in the world and how to position ourselves within that narrative and how to re re reshape it in the way that might make sense for us and he will tell us more about the book when he's on on the show but I was very excited when I was in a little bookshop in Seattle and I saw this there and I was very proud um, of him um, and this piece of literature and finally I wanted to talk about this book, Zilzila, uh, A Woman Before Her Time. Now, Maryam Behnam is the writer uh, of this book. She is not Arab. She was born in Iran. Uh, and she was actually uh, born in the south of Iran, um, is the minister, was the Minister of Culture and Arts before the Iranian Revolution, but she managed to escape before the revolution happened and she was banned to leave the country and she came to the UAE and she got Emirati citizenship. So her and her family are, you know, her family are Emirati. Um, and her daughter uh, is actually a BBC correspondent in the UK. Uh, but this story, it just <clears throat> shows um, a different aspect of Emirati literature where there are members of the society whose histories come from surrounding countries, but are very much Emirati and their families are Emirati and they've, they've come here before the union and are, are part of the DNA of what Emirat, the, the Emirates is in, in a different perspective. So I think that's, that's an important narrative too. Great. Okay, should we bring in Omar Saif Gabash? Let's do it. We are so excited to be joined by His Excellency Omar Ghobash, author of Letters to a Young Muslim and also currently Assistant Minister for Culture and Public Diplomacy at the UAE's Foreign Ministry. Now, in addition to a fairly serious full-time job, you have somehow found the time to write a new book, a work of fiction this time. Uh, just before you joined us, we were discussing the most popular genres for Emirati authors here in the UAE. So what I'd like to ask is what genre your novel fits into 
And also if you can tell a bit about the book, um, apart from the fact that you are launching it at the Emirates Lit Fest in February. Thank you very much for having me. I've been working on this uh, idea for about 25 years, actually. So what I mean by that is that I, I wrote the first passage 25 years ago, and then there was a very, very long pause. Uh, as I thought about whether I was going to do it or not. Uh, essentially, it is uh, a novel based on the last day of my father. Uh, some of you may know that he uh, was killed in 1977 on the 25th of uh, uh, October. And uh, it's just obviously a day that I thought about a great deal uh, as I was growing up. And uh, I would look at the newspapers as they covered, you know, the, uh, the event uh, and then the investigation. Uh, and then, you know, as you follow the newspapers over the course of a few days, um, uh, you begin to notice how things, you know, life goes back to normal. Uh, you know, uh, there are restaurant openings and there are letters of congratulations sent you know, this way and that. And, uh, and it's just fascinating to see how uh, an event that you know has been defining for my life and, and for my family's life uh, can also be so normalized in a, in a way. Um, within three days, everything is back to normal. And so, so I, I take um, his last day uh, and what I do is I put myself in his shoes uh, and it's essentially told from his perspective. So it's a first person account of uh, the last few hours. Uh, and what makes this uh, fun in a way uh, and something of a black comedy is that he continues to narrate, narrate the day even after uh, he uh, succumbs to his injuries. Uh, and so we know what then happens. And you know, for the next few days, and so it's almost a commentary on on the way in which the uh, uh, the whole event happened. So it's not just up to the point of his passing, but beyond that as well. Uh, so there, there there are kind of a couple of perspectives that need explaining. There's his first person account of what is happening as it happens. Uh, there is uh, him um, reminiscing uh, uh, about his life as he passes through that day. Uh, sort of wondering how he got to this particular place um, at that particular age, what were the choices he made, what were the, the um, choices that were really imposed upon him so that he really didn't have much choice about things, uh, and just how coincidence and uh, fate come together uh, to put a person in a situ situation that he couldn't have imagined that morning. Uh, and then there is lastly um, the perspective either from nothing or from infinity, uh, which is uh, him today somewhere in the universe commenting on the entire enterprise uh, and so I'm just exploring this from from different angles uh, and it, it, in a way it allows me to look back over the his his life um, right from childhood but also uh, kind of an investigation of the way in which our society has changed changed uh, from uh, the very early years uh, 1930s uh, 1940s uh, where there was absolutely no hope um, in in the deserts of Arabia to or rather at least on the, on the, uh, uh, in the um, crucial states, uh, to what we are today, uh, which is a, a remarkable state. I think it's really interesting that you've um, chosen to kind of, to use a fictional device to kind of fill in the gaps of a story. Cause it's, it's interesting sometimes I have this conversation a lot with um, people who specifically only like nonfiction and they say, well, yes, because I want to learn something. So I'm not going to waste my time with fiction. So was this, yeah. do you feel that by telling the story this way, you're able to get closer to some sort of truth than, than just with 
kind of cold hard facts? Well, I mean, cold hard facts, uh, uh, cold hard facts would actually be wonderful. And that's part of the problem that I think we, we face in many of our um, different areas of life, where we are faced with um, consequences and we don't have an explanation as to why. We don't have uh, even, you know, sort of a, a description of what happened. Uh, uh, why would be uh, fantastic, but even the basic facts are, are not clear. And so in a sense, I'm, I'm trying to uh, establish a way in which a person who has suffered loss in one way or another can move on and beyond, even without any uh, closing certainties. Um, so uh, that, that's essentially where I'm coming uh, from and where I'm actually trying to get to. Uh, to be able to say to others who have suffered loss, you know, you actually have your life and you need to move on with that. Um, and that, you know, your loss, whatever, whatever caused it, some things can't be explained. You just need to resolve that within yourself, accept that, you know, there's un uncertainty that is built into our systems uh, and that, you know, there is a possibility of nevertheless moving on. I have a question about the two books now, so the Letters to a Young Muslim, it's obviously also driven by, by your family, effectively. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wonder when you wrote that, if you had a particular external audience in mind, and if you think that this book is speaking to that same audience, and are there any you sort of shared themes in the two books, even though on the surface they seem to be very different? I'm not so sure that, that they're that different. I actually think of them as uh, two halves um, of the same kind of story. Uh, and so when, grow, growing up, I, I had uh, two kind of major obsessions. One was my father and why he wasn't with us anymore. Uh, but the other was, of course, um, uh, religion, Islam, and you know the governing kind of metaphysical system. And uh, the uncertainties that I saw in both are very, very similar. And um, I think I've resolved the uh, kind of the uncertainties that I had regarding the metaphysical system. Uh, I haven't resolved necessarily until I finished this uh, book, um, the uncertainties uh, in dealing with loss. And I think that they're very similar because it's looking at historical documents, it's looking at historical events. Both of these kind of, of emotions are connected to uh, uh, historical events, you know, the historical event of the Prophet uh, Muhammad um, receiving the revelation of the Quran and everything that happened after that. Um, and also, you know, the, 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 the passing of my father on a particular day in 1977, uh, with its ramifications. So it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, both of them are involved in questions of history, questions of memory, questions of understanding, uh, and reading the past. Um, and so I think, uh, this gives me, uh, the, the, the fictional element gives me an opportunity to kind of build out spaces that uh, I, I, I imagine exist, I wish existed. Um, and, you know, it also allows me to uh, give my father um, a, a position of power over his, his passing, um, being, uh, you know, sort of cynical about certain things, uh, seeing the comedy and some of the acts that took place immediately after his, uh, his death. Um, and just, you know, being able to comment on basically, you know, sort of the, what the doctors did and, you know, uh, the coffin, the process uh, in which his coffin was taken to the mosque and, and so on. So there are moments, there, there are kind of light moments, but I suppose in a black comedy uh, kind of way. Um, but I think that's also, in a way, a uh, kind of power that he's exerting um, over his own story. Uh, and, it, you know, he gets to say goodbye as well. 
Speaking of uh, lighter moments in, you know, dark subject matter, I think a lot of us have been turning to, I want to talk about reading now, some reading mm -hmm. habits. Sure. Um, a lot of us have been turning to literature to uh, escape over the past couple of years, well, since the beginning of time, really, but particularly recently. Yes. And I just wondered um, what was kind of a book that you read recently that, like, what's your go-to comfort read? A book that kind of made you feel our festival theme, Here Comes the Sun, a little bit. Oh, gosh. Uh, so I actually spent uh, a lot of time reading a lot of fiction over the last few months. And uh, it's an unfair question because I cannot remember any single title. Uh, um, but every single one of those books has had an effect on me uh, and has made me really kind of think about the power of literature and the power of even just a few sentences. Um, you know, on, on the nonfiction side, if you, if you don't mind me saying, I'm, I'm, I'm reading about uh, capitalist realism and whether there's any kind of replacement for that. And I just came across a perfect sentence that kind of summed up what I thought uh, I, yeah, it kind of sums up um, a lot of what I think is happening around the world, which is that people are paying for their own exploitation, you know, uh, going, going online and sort of handing over data or, you know, trying to get an education, but uh, ending up taking out huge loans that will take them 30 years to pay off. Uh, and how we're all enmeshed in a system that, you know, seems to be of our own choosing, but is actually uh, quite diabolical. Um, so... So. That's a cheering thought. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, Here consciousness is uh, becoming aware is very cheering. I think it's superb. So we were, we were speaking a little bit earlier on the podcast about um, the different genres that are popular in the UAE in particular. Oh. And we know that um, history, both in fiction and nonfiction, is very, very popular, both Mm -hmm. uh, for people to write and to read, but um, things like comedy and horror are not mm. quite as, um, the genre is not quite as well established yet. Right. Is that something that you personally would like to see more of? And where do you think we'll be with literature in the UAE in the coming few years? Uh, yeah, you, I'm smiling because actually uh, I, I do think yeah, um, about what I might write if I had more time, even without, you know, any specific audience or, or with any expectation of success. But I really do think, you know, sort of a horror set in, in, in the Emirates would be uh, fantastic. Um, because, that, that, you know, growing up, there were, there were a lot of spooky stories, stories that still make me shiver. Uh, and there's a lot of superstition uh, behind the closed doors. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, even Islamic-oriented uh, uh, um, magicians and witches and um, potion makers. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. And, and you know, people, people take this stuff uh, seriously. So I think there's actually, if you investigated it, you could put together quite a, quite a good um, uh, horror or even detective um, uh, novel together uh, out of what's happening here. Um, and, then, and then of course there's, you know, the huge influx of outsiders and all the kinds of uh, astounding stories that I come across or, or I'm even a part of. Um, absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Um, and there's so much you could create out of that. So the publication date for your upcoming, um, your third book, the horror novel that you're going to write will be? <laughs> <laughs> Probably before this one. Yeah? The first one. <laughs> 
do you have um do you have a working title for your current novel uh no to be honest no uh you know i want to i want to finish the uh the text first make it okay. um uh, yeah make it a text that makes sense uh and feels good um then i'll spend time working on the title okay david nichols is the same I, I read an interview where he was saying that he's absolutely like he can't think of the titles for his novels until he's completely finished absolutely everything mm -hmm. yeah, and then the publisher yeah. ends up changing it anyway <laughs> precisely i was going to say that yeah uh, you know my, my letters was named something completely different okay so <laughs> tell me how do you write do you plan and then put the words out the way in the order you planned them or do you just kind of let them all come gushing out well i i first really i, I often do kind of research on how other people write and I'm always fascinated by the ones who plan and kind of map out everything in advance. I actually don't know where these things are going. Uh, and I, I find that what happens is once I start a writing uh, or, or typing, um, it'll go in different directions. Uh, and then rereading. So yeah, then rereading you know, the paragraph or the pages that I've written, I'll spot things that didn't quite make sense or need explanation or need kind of uh, filling out. And, and that's what I do. I just keep going back over the same text and, and fill out or, or, or delete parts that I think don't make sense. Um, but overall, it's, it's like building a mosaic um, out of pieces that I'm creating, not knowing exactly where they're gonna go or what color they're gonna be. And so that makes it for me quite uh, stressful because I know that there's, there's something I want to say, but I don't necessarily know the best way in which to say it. Uh, and I really do you know, think, uh, I, I do want to have an impact. So I'm not intensely kind of protective of the words that I write. Uh, I'm more interested in trying to get an impression across and a feeling uh, out there uh, and a set of ideas as well. So that's why I'm kind of, uh, now I've, I'm reaching out to an editor to help me um, think about structure uh, and, th and think about impact as well. Uh, there is one last, uh, I mean, genuinely, there's one last book that I feel I need to write. Uh, and that is um, a general one about the Emirates, um, given that this is the territory that I'm uh, massively attached to. Um, the, how, where we are, how we got here, and where on earth are we going? Um, and I think there are, you know, there are, a whole bunch of kind of mysteries about how we got here. There's a whole bunch of mysteries about what we think we've achieved uh, and you know, the way in which people perceive this um, success. And uh, there's a whole new generation that needs to figure out how to get to the next stage, uh, given, given you know, very basically um, that our key uh, natural resource is going to disappear, whether through legislation or through you know, uh, innovation. And that kind of puts everything together. My, my family life, my uh, kind of metaphysical life, and, and the life, the social life in which you know, I find myself, this community. A holy trinity of sorts. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you forget yeah, the horror very... story. So there's yeah, like the trinity plus one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to write that. I feel that I need to write these, these texts and the rest will be uh, entertainment and fun. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, Omar, and for giving us this preview of your coming book. We cannot wait to read it. And also you'll be with us at the festival to launch the novel. So we look forward to seeing you then. Now thank all so that is, thank you. Now all that's left for us to say is thank you again and happy National Day. Thank you very much and happy National Day to you. And uh, look, look forward to seeing you at the expo. Hopefully.